Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, y'all. Brian here. Once again, this is just a sampling of the Office Hours episode with Gary Tan. Going forward, all of the Office Hours episodes will be available exclusively on the Ride Home Plus feed, and this one is going to cut off halfway through, as I said. So if you want to hear the whole thing, subscribe at tech.supercast.tech. There's a link in this show's notes. But... Because I need to use this episode as a calling card to do some promo for the Ride Home Plus feed, and also because I want to goose our YouTube numbers at the same time, if you want to see the full half hour, you can watch it on our YouTube page. The whole thing. I don't cut it off. Search for Tech Meme Podcast on YouTube and scroll down to the bonus interview episodes section and watch the video. Or if I remember, I'm going to put a link in the show notes directly to the video. But this is a one-off. For future Office Hours episodes, please subscribe to the Ride Home Plus feed. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Actually, specifically, welcome to our second ever Office Hours episode, this time with the great Gary Tan. Not much to say about this one other than I do want to point out that it was recorded back in mid-December after Gary and I got hooked up at the most recent Web Summit. Otherwise, enjoy some pearls of wisdom from one of the most successful investors of this generation. The good video. Someone just told me I was the ASM, their favorite ASMR VC. Mm. <laughs> you know what? Let's consider ourselves recording. You're, you're people's favorite ASMR VC. Does that make you feel good? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Because I mean, you know how people are always know. like, they hate the sound of their own voice. Like, what, oh, do yeah. you, what do you think your voice sounds like? I mean, I can't stand it, but now I can stand it after doing uh, YouTube for about a year. Uh, yeah, I guess you kind of get used to, you know, w- until you start to do audio stuff all the time, you, you don't really know what your voice sounds like otherwise. But um, um, all right. My, my first go to question uh, might not be applicable to you because it looks like that you were like working as a software engineer, even when you were in high school. Like, have you ever had any other job like flipping burgers or anything like that? Or have you just been in tech the whole time? That's hella funny because that's what my dad literally told me when I was 15 that he wishes that my first job was flipping burgers. But yeah, I mean, tech gave me my shot. Um, you know, we didn't grow off, grow up that well off and, uh, tech gave me everything I got. So I am true believer. Like, you know, is there a clear mirror here for tech? You know, I am Star Trek, the next generation tech optimist on where this stuff can go if properly thought through. Well, so that might throw a spanner in my second go-to question, which is what's the worst job you've ever had? Like, could you even answer that? Or I worked at a bad startup. Yeah. And it's not even on my LinkedIn. It was that bad. Mm. (laughs) It was uh, the summer. It was the summer after the dot com bust. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a Stanford computer science, uh, you know, student. And it was, I think, between my junior and senior year. And so the dot com had already, you know, dot com boom had busted. 
um, I found an internship at a B2B startup that um, never shipped and never signed a customer and was just mm. burning investor money for that whole summer. So it was a good exercise in knowing what bad startups look like. The, uh, the good converse to that is who, if I pressed you, was the best boss you ever had? Oh, man. You know, the funniest thing is that uh, now he actually works at Initialized Capital with me. So Andrew Sather. Um, I don't know. It's a toss-up. I work with two of the people who are some of the best bosses I ever worked with. Um, Jen Wolf, who's our COO, gave me my first design job. Um, and, and then before that, uh, Andrew Sather created uh, Adjacency, which was the first e-commerce, uh, the, the design firm that created the first Apple e-commerce store for Steve Jobs. So I got to work with him when I was uh, 16 years old, and he gave me my first coding job writing Perl in 1998. Um, so both of them, in various ways, I've learned a lot from, and that's part of the reason why I get to work with them day to day now, which is very fun. Is that a fun thing to eventually go back and give your previous bosses become their bosses? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the my favorite thing about uh, working with people is the best people are self-managing. <laughs> Um, all right. You just stole another question. Uh, what is the quality that most makes you want to work with people? I mean, smart gets things done. I know that's two qualities, but when the, those two are in com combination, it's really quite magical, actually. Because you meet a lot of smart people. They have amazing ideas, but then there's no outcome. And then on the flip side, there are people who um, get things done, but maybe they get they do a lot of activity, but it's not the right activity. And the combination of those things is actually quite magical and sort of the minimum set to success. Well, this is sort of along that same line, but is there a quality that you've found most of the successful people you've worked with have had in common? Other directedness. What I does think. that mean? Um, so it's empathy is half of it, right? Um, some people are incredibly empathetic because you can sit down with them and they understand you and where you come from. Um, but then they're not, you know, they, they might like let that wash over them, right? Other directedness is sort of like empathy plus bias to action. So being able to not only feel the problems and feelings of the person sitting across from you, but then to be able to markedly improve that person's situation consistently um, in all interactions, um, which is really important and, and sort of the core to servant leadership, which I think is underplayed in, especially in tech. I heard you tell a story once about uh, going to dinner with Peter Thiel. I think you were working at Microsoft at the time, and he wants you to come work for him. I guess maybe Palantir was starting up or something or Anyway, long story short, he uh, he offers to write you a check on the spot if you'd come join him, and I think you turned him down. Can you tell that story? Real yeah, quick? absolutely. I mean, I was 20, 22, 23 years old, knew nothing about technology uh, other than how to build it, and um, friends of mine were starting a company with Peter Thiel. It was about the time he wrote the five hundred thousand dollar check to Facebook, so he was well known. I had had him come speak at Stanford a bunch of times, so it wasn't like I didn't know who he was. Everyone knew he was a great founder. Um, and he said, how much a year do you make? I told him it was 70 grand. He you know, wanted to write a check for that amount to get me to quit my job because it was you know, just to bring it down to zero risk. 
And I said, no, um, I, you know, didn't really know anyone who, who were, who was working on B2B enterprise software for the government. It wasn't hot at the time. Tech, you know, all of tech press was sort of, you know, the wall street journal. And, you know, I didn't read on time magazine about, um, you know, selling B2B software to the government. <laughs> that was a big lesson. The big lesson I think there was all the interesting things that are actually happening in the world are happening in small teams of people who trust each other, who are super capable, um, deciding to go work on a real problem. And uh, most of the hot things that you hear about are basically the thing you should have worked on nine to 18 months ago. They're sort of the second or third hand retellings of things that are going to be the future. And, you know, possibly you missed it. Then again, like just as often as that happens, um, you know, that someone can emerge with a far better product or solution, even for something that is, uh, you know, far along and has a lot of competition. Like, you know, DoorDash, I think is a good example of that. Right. So I, I believe you turned him down. So I guess he stayed at Microsoft. Or, but when, when a young person, later. Yeah. <laughs> when a young person comes to you and says, all right, I want to get into tech. Should I go for a small team, a startup, or should I go to an established company or should I go to the best team out there? Like what's your usual advice? I mean, if you have a choice, you know, go to a team that is growing fast, that has product market fit. And then if you can get a seat on the rocket ship, you don't ask, uh, you know, what function or what role you just find a way on it and then you'll learn a lot more. And that's the tricky thing about startups is that, uh, you know, probably nine, you know, nine out of 10 of them are just not going to make it. And so it, it isn't enough to say, I want to work at a startup. Let me find any startup that will have me. Um, you know, the better path is to find the startup you believe in that has the smartest possible people there. And uh, in abstraction, that's the best thing you can do uh, short of having a crystal ball. Uh, what's the number one way that you see founders screw up their startups? I mean, the, the number one thing over and over again is just not making something that people actually care about at all. That, you know, that's by, by far and away the number one reason why someone would not make it is is it um, because it's, it's something better. is it something is it because it's something they care about but no one else does it's is it because they're trying to guess what people care about and they get it wrong like how are they how are they swinging and missing yeah they're often just guessing and getting it wrong and um they're not thinking through how what they're doing could actually be materially better faster cheaper at that the point of uh purchase like at the point where a customer decides and then often they what they what they don't realize is how high that bar actually is. The bar is often, you know, 10 times higher than if you just have a conversation with someone uh, about it and you ask, oh, do you have this problem? We can solve it with X, Y, and Z. If you have a conversation, they're going to say in front of you, they want you to like them. There's all these interpersonal aspects. They're going to say, oh yeah, I totally want that. And then you'll run off and build it. And then when it's time to, you know, here, put your credit card in here, they're not going to do it. Um, that's the trick is believe the, you know, believe the actual close, right? Believe when the money hits your bank account, then you know they care and they, they want it. And even then, the, next, the, the first war is how do you get them to give you money at all? The second war is how do you keep them forever? And uh, that second part is even harder. 
Real talk. 52% of men over 40 experience some form of ED between the ages of 40 and 70. But it's always been a taboo topic. Thankfully, Hims is changing that by providing affordable access to ED treatment all online. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis, up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Answer a series of questions on their site and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash ride. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash ride for your personalized ED treatment options. Hims.com slash ride. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get Get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. What truth about like human nature or like human behavior do you think venture capitalists understand that maybe other people don't like, and I, I'm even talking about like either the behavior of founders or the behavior of markets. Like what do, what do the best VCs intuitively grok that other people don't? Shoot. If you ask the, the opposite question, I would, <laughs> there are a lot of things VCs don't seem to get. <laughs> All right, then, then do oh, it. Man. Do the opposite. I think uh, the thing that I'm most scared about in venture capital period is that it takes so long to figure out if someone is good. And then the credentials necessary are relatively daunting. So I actually think that people just generally rely on credentials way too much. Like they're just pattern matching. And then the pattern match is A, wrong. And then B, um, I mean, potentially bad for society. That's what I worry about when I think about venture capital. It's like, when, when Sand Hill is very, very good at funding 
um, basically the, like, frankly, people like my background, it's like worked at work, went to Stanford, worked at a startup, fast growing startup, you know, have a network. It's like, you know, I'm from central casting is what you, I really You tick all the bosses, boxes. Yeah. yeah. And that I think is now that I meet a lot of founders and now that I spend a lot of time in ideas and I have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to deploy, that's what keeps me up at night because the system has a lot of capital. There's a lot more capital coming in. In fact, the public markets are going to force feed hundreds of millions, if not billions of additional capital into a system that is already using antiquated and probably wrong measures of which teams are going to succeed. So that's what keeps me up at night as a VC. Um, there's too much reliance on the resume and not enough reliance on uh, first principles and uh, direct experience with markets and teams. Well, this is sort of kind of a, a resume question, but um, what's the greatest resource an entrepreneur can have to be successful? And that's different than asking skill, like, okay, be smart or whatever. I'm saying resource. Like, what is, is it, you know, having a lot of time, having um, passion for uh, any, actually, I'm putting words in your mouth. What's the greatest resource a successful entrepreneur can have behind them? I guess my time from Y Combinator taught me that, um, I don't know, I don't have a good word for it. It's a mix of formidableness plus, plus stick to itness. Um, it's not enough, you know, Babe Ruth, for instance, you know, I don't know if he did this or not, but, um, you know, in what, what was it? Game three world series, um, against the Cubs, he walks out and he points at the stands and, uh, you know, a lot of people do that, right? Um, but the reason why we're talking about that story today, many, many years later in a game that I don't even actually totally understand, <laughs> but I remember that story and we tell that story over and over to each other because that is what we need is like, you need, you know, the thing about founders is they're able to go in and point to the stands and then the ball actually goes there and that's a miracle. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's tough because it is a mix of privilege and luck, but then also the thing that you have control over is um, whether or not you quit and whether you do the smart things to, you know, maximize your chance of putting your, putting the ball in center field for the, for the home run. Uh, these are broadish, but uh, also simple. What do you think the, the biggest narrative or story in tech is right now at the start of 2021? And what is going on with the public markets right now? It's a mm. little bit crazy, right? Mm. Um, I mean, I think the public markets are leading uh, even the late stage private markets, which for some time people said were really crazy. They're, they're not looking crazy right now. They're looking like they were prescient. And uh, so the next year or so will be a wait and see game because you, you know, as you saw, people even uh, couldn't figure out the right price for the IPOs. And so, you know, in, in an unprecedented fashion, you know, watching Roblox say, we're not going to price our IPO right now. We need to see what happens is uh, a little unprecedented. And so I think we're all check. I, I'm checking my stocks app every day um, just so that I better understand what's going on with the, ma the macro picture. And the reality, though, is like early stage is un unchanged, I think, but 
the late stage, it matters a lot for quite a lot of people in our portfolio. Uh, what's the most overrated played out or whatever narrative in tech right now? And that's where I'm going to cut it off. Again, if you want to hear the rest, either watch it on the YouTube page or subscribe at tech.supercast.tech.